Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, in all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, happy Holy Week. Happy Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion. Today we began the holiest week of the church, um, the time when we come to remember and commemorate um, the the greatest act of, of love that um, that God has has for man. And so let us begin the prayer. And the prayer I will read today is the collect from um, this morning's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty ever-living God, who as an example of humility for the human race to follow, calls our Savior to take, to take flesh and submit to the cross. Graciously grant that we may heed his lesson of patient suffering and so merit a share in his resurrection. Who lives and reigns for, with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. You know, Father and Son, Holy Spirit. I I, I caught myself because I I'm reading from the Magnificat, which um, I forgot did not um, make the corrections. I'm not sure if you are if you are aware, but beginning with Lent um, on Ash Wednesday, the prayers of the of the um, missal changed in that we no longer should say one God forever and ever. It's just God be, because um, if you look closely at the prayer, um, if we say one God, and it, it, some, some may take it as if we are saying Jesus is one God and then the Father is one God and the Spirit is one God instead of taking it, the entire Trinity as one God. So I, I just thought I'd mention that in, in case you notice that at Mass, that the priest no longer says one God forever and ever, instead just say God forever and ever. That's that's one change, but that's just something that I wanted to share with you. Um, but okay, so, um, you know, Jerusalem is a, is a place that Jesus must have gone to every year, at least for, for the Passover, right? Every year they would have, they would have at least gone from a child to, to now and and you know, just briefly on 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 the entry into Jerusalem, you know, our Lord was riding on on a donkey, you know, and people waved branches and and they laid down their clothing so that he can come through with it, almost like a triumphant king, you know, a king, truly the king of the Jews, the Messiah that they thought was going to come and liberate them, but. But I, you know, these people were saying, "Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is, blessed are you, you know, son, uh, son of David." But then, in a short few days, they will be calling for his crucifixion. But we'll get more to that when we go to the gospel part. But 
I want to turn to the first reading from today. Um, it is one of the Suffering Servant songs. And there are a series of about three or four Suffering Servant songs in a prophet Isaiah, where there seems to be this mysterious figure that, that Isaiah is prophesying about. And, and we now know through faith and through scripture and through tradition that this suffering servant that Isaiah was prophesying was Jesus. And, and throughout these next couple of days, we will look at three of, the, of these suffering servant songs and we will see why we think it's Jesus because we, we will see a, a lot of parallels between what Jesus did and what Isaiah prophesied um, during the eighth century BC. Um, so just a little history about the time that, 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 that Isaiah was writing. He was writing, uh, you know, um, again, during the eighth century BC. So, so around 700 um, or so. And, but of course, you know, the book spans really um, before and after the exile in a time when, when the Israelites were conquered and they were forced to go into exile. And so, and so Isaiah wanted, you know, to encourage the people and to strengthen their, their spirits. And the Lord gave him these prophecies. And so I thought I read the, um, I read the suffering servant song that was um, shared with us this morning at mass. The Lord God had given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning, he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help. Therefore, I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. Doesn't, doesn't that sound like Jesus? Right? A well-trained tongue to speak to the weary. He came for the sinners. He came to call sinners. And it roused them. Right? He did, he did not turn away from God. He did not turn back. He did not turn his cheek. And he even gave his back to those who beat him, like on the journey to the cross, right? When he was scourged and whipped. And they spat at him. But yet, this suffering servant knew that he would not be put to shame. And so, Tradition and both scripture, you know, points to this figure as, as Jesus Christ in the New Testament, which which I I I hope we can we can see, you know. But um, all right. Any questions about that? Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I can answer questions towards the end, so we, we can just continue. But um, in the responsorial psalm today, we we heard one of the most um, heart-wrenching psalms that um, that our Lord um, quotes while he's on a cross. Now, see, don't forget this. You know, the psalms are written way, way before Jesus was ever born. And so our Lord was quoting 
it wasn't his words, but of course, ultimately, he it was his because he is the word, right? But but on a, on a technical term, right? But but he was quoting the psalmist when he said this: "My God, my God, why have you abandoned me?" Right, and. We can sense that our Lord may have felt uh, forsaken, as some translations has it, abandoned, because he seemingly was left on a cross, left to die, you know. Um, but the question that I must ask, we must ask is, was Jesus at the point of hopelessness and despair? You know, and, and I think we can come to understand this more by first looking at the Philippians, um, in the second reading. So I'll, so I'll, I'll just read this real quickly. And I, I just want you to meditate on the words that I'm about to share with you. Now this, this um, letter, this part of the letter to the Philippians is, is, is actually a canticle that we read and we pray very often during evening prayer um, as part of the, of the liturgy of the hours. It's not every day but it comes up quite often. Um, and this is what St. Paul says. Christ Jesus, though he was regard, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just want to take, let's just take about 30 seconds. Just, just take that in, really, to to the great profession of faith, really, St. Paul was telling us about who Jesus was in, in this letter. Alrighty. So, you know, this is very important as, as um, in Catholic theology, because um, in the early church and, and even until now, there are many people who get Jesus's identity confused. Some are saying that, oh, he was just a man that somehow God adopted to be his son 
so he's a son of God, but he but but he was just man. He was he's not divine. Okay, and then there are some who says, well, Jesus is God, but he's a separate God from from the Father and the Holy Spirit. So there are three different gods, really. You know, so and 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 Saint Paul must. This must have been very prophetic because two thousand years later, we still some people are still. I'm struggling with these heresies that that Jesus Christ was a God in Himself, or that He was He was merely a man, but that God adopted. Um, so, so here we have, you know, what was later affirmed in the creed: Christ Jesus, though He was in the form of God. What does that mean? It means that it means what we say in a creed: God from God, light from light, true God from true God. That he was consubstantial with the Father. That he and the Father are one substance. Now, I don't want to talk too much about the the form and substance because then there, there'll be a whole other um, class or lecture, really, on on philosophy, and and that's not the point of of of, of our time together. But just know that that the form of God means really that that Jesus. So he, so even Saint Paul. Before any Christology, any theology was really formed, Saint Paul here was telling us this 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 really um, intricate truth about Jesus that 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 he knew deep in his heart that only in an encounter with the living God can do this. And and don't forget, Saint Paul never met Jesus during Jesus's thirty-three years. On earth, right? He met him only as he was knocked off the horse on, on the way to uh, Damascus, right? So St. Paul never met Jesus when he was be, before his death and resurrection. So sometimes St. Paul is known as the, um, um, he calls himself, I think, uh, an apostle of the risen Christ. So, so we aren't, aren't we too? We're also disciples of the risen Christ because we, we weren't there um, when our Lord roamed uh, the earth, but yet we believe and, and we have this deep, deep sense of peace and knowledge that, that he exists and that what St. Paul says here is true, Right? Now, the line that I wanted to really drive home is that he emptied himself. What does emptying mean? Because I think sometimes when we say the word empty, that someone emptied themselves or someone feels empty, we think of this. We think of this. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Right? I think sometimes when we hear the word, oh, Jesus emptied himself, maybe he felt abandoned he felt betrayed he felt alone and lonely and in despair and hopeless but but this emptying himself isn't that at all in the greek we call this um jesus's kenosis his self-emptying right his self-emptying meaning that that Jesus, who is God from the beginning with the Father, right? That he chose, 
he chose to say, okay, I'm going to leave this majesty of divinity. I'm going to leave all this and I'm going to condescend myself and go into the world and walk among my creation, my creatures. That is what is emptying me. That he emptied himself of all the glory and grandeur and majesty and praise that is due to him. He emptied himself of all that so that he can be with us. So that he can be on this cross. So that he can tell us, I know how much you feel pain and how much hurt you are in when you suffer. Because I was there too. It is this self-emptying that allows us to really be one with the Lord, to be one with the Father. So this emptying of himself isn't a negative term in, a, in, in, in how we would think of today. This emptying is a so sacrificial um, that from from God who and, and 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 there are no there are no other religion out there where you will see a God who acts out of love for his people. There isn't. It's just a Christian God that that our God is, is this way, you know, that that our God has taken such a interest in us that, that he was willing to become one of us and and to experience all the suffering that that we go through and so so hopefully that gives some new insight into into the self-emptying and also this phrase this verse this line from the psalm my god my god why have you abandoned me? Jesus was not saying, God, why did you leave me here to die by myself? Why did you let me suffer this way? That wasn't his intention. He was quoting the scriptures. But yes, of course he felt. He felt that way because he was man. But he knew deep down that he was not abandoned. That even in his abandonment, who did, who did he cry out to and acknowledged? His God, his father. So even in his state of abandonment, he knows whose he is and who has sent him. But I think sometimes when we are in a state of depression or despair, we don't. We forget that we have a God who, who loves us and, 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 and who sent his son for us and, and who wants nothing more than our good. So let us, when we feel that shame or that pain or the suffering or trials that we go through, let us remember this line, knowing that it's not a mere um, screaming of agony of, of, of despair, but rather 
it was a, 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 a proclamation, an exclamation of deep faith in the Father. So now we will um, just shift to um, the, the, the longest part of today's Mass, the Passion Narrative. No, we will not be rereading the entire thing. I have no intentions of doing that because we will be going through them um, throughout this entire week. Um, but I just want to do a, a, a little reflection and meditation on, on, on Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. So like I said at the beginning of our time together, that Jesus, as he was walking in, and not walking, he was riding in on a donkey, and he saw all these people cheering for him. You know, he, that, you know, there's no doubt that these people were longing. They were longing for a savior. They were longing for someone to liberate them. They were longing for someone to speak for them, to protect them, and to save them. And they saw that in Jesus. They did. They cheered. They, they said, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he, they knew who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. They, they acknowledged it by their actions and by their words. But they misunderstood the Messiahship of Christ. The Messiah that they were thinking of was um, a king. A king that they had in the past like Saul and David and Solomon and all these other kings. They, they, they thought that this Messiah would come in and, and they would overthrow the Romans. And seize the, the throne and once again establish the kingdom here on earth. That was what the people were, were thinking that Jesus, Jesus would, would do. You know? But Jesus wasn't that kind of Messiah. We know that Jesus said that that his that his kingdom um, does not belong to this world and so the people misunderstood Jesus's role as Messiah and but but we can't discount the the fact that they were overjoyed to see Jesus the the fact that 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 they saw in Jesus someone very special someone that that can lead them to, to um, liberation. But not the liberation that they had in mind. And I think, brothers and sisters, oftentimes I think we fall into, into that trap. We want Jesus to do things as we planned. We want God to follow our plans, right? Oh, God, you know... I was thinking here. Here is what I thought we should do. Um, what are your thoughts, right? No, that's that is not how we ought to approach the Lord. Because um, 
even Jesus didn't, right? We heard St. Paul says, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Even he himself knew, he said repeatedly that what, whatever he doesn't says is from his father, not from himself. And so how much more so for us then that it is God's will that we ought to want to be done, not our own. Um, and so let us reflect on this week. What are some things that I have asked the Lord for in, in a past in prayer that that really was, um, Lord, I, I want something and I want it my way. And I want it relatively soon. And and think about how how that played out in your life. Um, you know, I, I think back on my own. You know, I it, it doesn't end well because soon I I begin to think, well, God's not answering my prayer, so I'll take things into my own hands, and then one thing turns to to something else, and then it it doesn't end pretty, and 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 that's what happened to these people, right? In a short few days, they they wanted him to be crucified because they let him down. Jesus let them down. Instead of overthrowing Pilate, they he he um he was arrested and he was tried by Pilate. So 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 this couldn't be the Messiah. So go crucify him. And and how dare he come into our city um on a riding on a donkey, um, pretending to be this Messiah when when he really wasn't? How dare he? But we know that 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 the Messiah that that um, our Lord had wanted was truly Jesus. That and to to this day, some of, of our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, are still waiting for the Messiah. And um, so we, we must continue to pray, to pray for open hearts, to pray for open eyes and ears. Um, and, and we are brought back to, again, the suffering servant song that we heard that Jesus has this well-trained tongue to speak to the weary, to rouse them and to open our ears so that we can hear, open our hearts so that we can come to believe. Um, and so my brothers and sisters on this Palm Sunday, um, let us think about the times when we, we have rejoiced in the Lord, rejoiced in all that he has given to us, all that he has done for us, and all that he has allowed us to, to experience, good or bad, good and bad, rather. And, and especially during those moments when, 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 when things didn't go as we had hoped. I, I, I invite you to, to, to think about that um, today and, and see how God has worked even through that, even through that pain, through that suffering, through, through that trial, how God has brought you out, um, much stronger, much more different, much more liberated. And so, you know, and, and, and it's true. We should be grateful that God doesn't grant us all that we wish for, but that he grants us all that we need 
because sometimes if we have all the, all the things that, that we wish for, we really will end up not in a good place, whether it be money or other things. Um, you know, and, 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 and that's what happened to the Israelites, right? Um, they, they, they wanted a king. They wanted a king. I'm not sure if you remember this, but but be, be, before King Saul came into the picture, they had judges. God gave them judges and prophets, and they weren't happy with it. So they asked um, the prophets to tell God to give them a king. Why? Because they wanted to be like other nations who have kings to rule over them. So what, so what were the Israelites really saying, saying then? They were saying... I, we want a king to rule over us because, God, you're no longer our king. You're no longer our um, ruler. So we want a human ruler so that we can be like all the other nations around us. And so God warned them. God warned the people. said, if you want kings, these things will happen to you. They will be enslaved. They will be um, put to heart labor and all these other things. And they said, give us a king. Just like when they called for Jesus to crucify, crucify him, crucify him. Even when Pilate said, I find no guilt in this man. What do you want me to do with him? Crucify him. Even when God told them what bad things will happen to them, they still chose, they still chose to ask for a king. Even though Pilate said to people, he finds no guilt in Jesus, they still want to crucify him. Even with warnings, the people didn't listen and believe. And so what happened to the, to the Israelites then? They had kings um, for many, many centuries, but then they were conquered. And they were enslaved and put into exile, right? And it sounds cliche, it sounds cliche, but as we the rest is history. We come to today, you know, um, and so that is how it is with us too. It is isn't it? Sometimes we. We want something that the Lord says is not good for us. We want to do something that we know isn't good for us. Yet we choose to do it. It may feel good at the time. It may feel great because I have all this power at this time. But what eventually happens? It wears off. And usually... Um, we face our consequences. And so my brothers and sisters, let us look to the examples of the Israelites and to the Jewish people and, and even our, our own history. And let us really see which group of people do we really stand with? Do we stand with the people who repeatedly um, Reject the Lord or who believe Jesus when it's easy to, but then leave when it's, when it's difficult 
Or are we with a group who, who stands by our Lord through thick and thin, through, through good times and bad, knowing that he will bring good out of the bad, that he will bring good out of evil, that God can truly write straight with crooked lines, right? Which group do we belong to? And as we continue with our Holy Week, let us really ask for the grace to persevere and to strengthen in our prayer, in our fasting, and in our almsgiving, in caring for those who are less fortunate, um, maybe reaching out to a friend that I haven't reached out to in a long time, a relative, um, reconcile with someone who has hurt me, to forgive someone who has hurt me, to ask for forgiveness for someone whom I have hurt or wronged, and to pray for those who hurt us so that we may be drawn ever closer to the Lord. And the scary thing is this, to be drawn closer to the Lord means to be drawn closer to the cross. And at times it will feel this way. But we have the deep faith and confidence that even when we feel this way, we have a God who loves us, who we have a God who will bring even life through death. And so, my friends and sisters, I encourage you again to keep praying, to keep meditating on the scriptures. And um, tomorrow we will um, look at the readings for tomorrow. Um, with the focus on, on yes, um, a different suffering servant song, but also the gospel reading, which um, is about the anointing at at um, at Bethany, when Jesus eats with Mary, Martha, um, and Lazarus, and the other people, and his apostles, and and we we get to see. Um, uh, a scene where Jesus' own friend, his own follower, his own apostle criticizes him on uh, um, showing a lack of knowledge and intimacy with, with his Lord, you know, and, and con con contrasting that with, with, with the woman who, who um, anoints Jesus' feet with, with oil and even wipes it with her own hair. And so um, that will be on tomorrow's agenda. And, um, so now, why don't we close with a prayer, and then I'll stop the recording, and then we'll be, we're going to have a, a discussion if if we would like. Um, if not, then we'll also we'll we'll close for the evening. Okay. So let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for um, for loving us, and and for giving us the gift of of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for, for emptying yourself and sending your Son to, to live amongst us, to be in solidarity with us. We thank you for not rejecting us when we 
choose to reject you. Thank you for not denying us your love when we choose to hate you. We thank you for, for, for not choosing to give up on us even when we give up on you and on ourselves. Thank you, Lord. We are not worthy, we are not deserving, but it is because of that that you choose to love us. You choose to forgive us. You choose to give us life. And for that, we are grateful. Lord, be with us this week. Give us the grace to, to journey with you as we remember the, the final week of your life here on earth that leads up to the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for us. Allow us to be drawn closer to you and even to the point of your cross. Give us the grace to endure, the grace to see the crosses as blessings so that we may be one with you who are one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Teach us to empty ourselves this week empty ourselves of our pride, of our sinfulness, of our weaknesses, so that we may be filled instead with your love and your mercy and your grace, which overflows into our lives, into all who we come to encounter. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you For more audios, videos, blog entries, and other resources, please visit us at www.belovedsonministry.org.